Welcome to the Mindset Reset Podcast. My name is John Marty, and on the show, we dive into the mindsets of the world's foremost thought leaders and turn them into actionable insights so that you can discover greater happiness, success, and fulfillment. Today's topic, reinvent your life with gamification. Our guest is Arthur Karmazi. Arthur is ranked as one of the world's top 10 most influential thought leaders on the topic of leadership and organizational culture. He's a motivational keynote speaker with numerous TED Talks under his belt, best-selling author and founder of Directive Communication Psychology. What I love about Arthur is his energy. You could see him doing his TED Talks and literally jumping off the stage, which is not common practice. In fact, if you are a speaker for TED, they tell you to stay on the little red circle. And he goes against the grain on that and so many other things in his life. It was a real pleasure speaking with him. I learned a lot and I hope you will too. Enjoy. I'm so interested by this topic of your journey kind of in and out. When did your corporate career end? Well, first of all, let me give you a little backstory. Before this company, okay, I used to be managing director of this consulting company, and all the projects that I worked on were successful. So you know how sometimes when you know everything you do becomes successful, you start to think, I am so awesome, and your head starts to get a little bit big? Well, that was me. I started to get really conceited, egotistical, right? So I was, ah, I'm hot stuff, man. So I thought, hey, I'm going to start my own business. So I took all of my money and then I borrowed another half a million dollars. And then I went in and I started this organization knowing because everything that I had done so far was successful. I moved to Singapore at that time before I was in Korea. And so everything on the way, I was very excited, everything else. A year and a half later, not only am I half broke, but I am a half a million dollars in debt, which really sucked. Do not try this at home. And so I got a job. Okay. So I've got this job and I'm like, whoa, okay. This job is super cool. Right. You know, like, and I could see what's going to happen two years later, five years later and everything. And so I knew everything that was going to happen. I was ready to go. I was very excited. And then about three weeks later, I start noticing all these people are blaming each other, man. It's like, oh, the finance department's this. Oh, they look at the HR people. Oh, man, you know, the admin guys, and then they're doing that. And it's like, oh, man, everybody's blaming everybody. And it's just, no, no problem. I can fix this. I knew I could solve this. I knew I could fix this. And so I come up with really cool ideas, right? I mean, have you ever been in corporate, right? I mean, you come up with cool ideas. I went, I had all these super cool ideas and I talked to these other guys, these other department heads. And I look at, you know, you've got some resources and I got some resources we can pull together and look at, we can work on these projects. And they said, look, we understand you're new here, but we're very busy. You do your thing. We'll do our thing. And I'm like, oh man, you know, what is wrong with these people? But I knew I could make a difference. And, you know, about four and a half months later, you know what happened? Without even realizing it. I started blaming people like all oh, these guys over here like that. These guys over here like that. And I'm like, oh man, you know, and then people would come up to me. Hey, Arthur, can you help me with this? Look, you do your thing. I'll do my thing. See, I got sucked in. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's these people, those people, those are the ones that are causing my problems. And it was so easy to blame these other department heads and some of my subordinates. And oh, it's so easy to just point fingers because it couldn't be my fault because I was so awesome, right? 
And one day I decided, hey, I'm just going to go, you know, I looked in the mirror and I said, man, you suck. And so I went and I started to talk to some of these other department heads and I found out something completely unexpected. They were real human beings. They actually had very similar experiences to me. They had real standards. They wanted to do things. They wanted to cooperate. But, you know, it's just like the culture wasn't supporting them. And so like, oh, my gosh, you know, so it's not the people. It's not that these guys are bad. It's the culture is literally bringing out these facets of these people, right? I mean, it's kind of like when you go out with your friends, you've got one group of friends who bring out certain behaviors and elements, and then you got a different group of friends, and they bring out different things in you, right? And you're with your family, they're even different. And when you're at work, different parts of who you are come out, right? And I'm thinking, wow, there's this whole big thing here. And, you know, because at that time, I was already like an underachiever. I felt stuck. I was the kind of person that people knew I could do more, but every time I tried in the past, I'd either get blamed or nobody would pay attention or maybe one thing would work or something like that. And it's like, why should I bother? It's just too risky to actually do anything. And so I just did busy work. Just do my job. You tell me what to do, I'll do it. I felt stuck. I felt like I was invaluable. I felt like I was just a trained monkey. And it didn't feel good. I was doing less work and feeling less motivated. So these people that are lazy that you see that are doing less work, it's not because they're lazy. It's because the environment does not support the application of their potential. That's that was me. I was one of those guys. And after this, I'm thinking, wow, maybe there's something else. And since I was already kind of just doing a lot of busy work, I started using that busy work to kind of find out why this is happening because I wanted to fix myself. I wanted to fix my problem. And so eventually, I used some of the findings that I got, which later became known as directive communication psychology. And I used it in the company. Between my department and two other departments, we ended up saving the company $17,000 a week in wastage. And it was just making tweaks in the way that you deal with people and communicate with people and basically understanding a little bit more about why and how people are doing things. And just that in itself, I was like, wow, okay. So I started writing articles and I got on the radio, then I got on TV and then, you know, people started calling me and, you know, I was able to eventually quit my job. Do you think that the unhappiness is due to people looking at things like Instagram and saying, my life could be better and it's not yet? Oh, comparison. Yes. I mean, there is and there isn't. Interestingly enough, the smarter you are, the more potential you have for being dissatisfied. (laughs) Which can suck, right? But the thing is that What happens is that, you know, you start to see more possibilities, but you are comparing. I mean, you're always comparing. And the thing is that, you know, anybody that's gone through any kind of personal development, they understand that comparing their lowest to other people's highest sucks. And even smart people know this and they still do it and can't do anything about that at the moment. Right. I mean, until they just kind of start to get into a sense of realization for themselves and what value they bring. And also smart people also realize that everybody's life on Facebook and Instagram is not real. 
<laughs> I mean, it's like you're not going to put a picture of you kind of arguing with your kids about their homework, right? Because that's not the thing, right? You're going to put like, oh, hey, you know, we're out, we're doing a project and we're over on by the swimming pool. And it's like, so you got this whole thing, right? So life is reality and there is a whole nice fun part, but you only post the nice parts because of course, you know, again, it's that sense of value. But see, this is where gamification comes in. Facebook, Instagram, even Google, they're gamifying your life. They're giving you a platform where you can post something and related to your life and based on how many likes, how many comments, how many shares and all of these things, these are all forms of measurement. Essentially, they're scores. How good is my life? And it's like, oh my gosh, why does this person have 1 million followers and I only have 2,000? And so then you're starting to think, oh, maybe, you know, I need to do something more. I'm not good enough or I'm not this or whatever. And so, yeah, okay, there is elements of comparison, but that's not the key thing, right? The key thing is, do you have the right things to compare to? And you can actually create these things outside of Facebook, outside of Instagram. So if you create systems where you can compare Say, for example, what you've done in the past. It's basic gamification processes. And then you mix it up with themes and you put all these different kinds of ideas that will make you not just more diverse, but also more creative and more innovative. Because what you're doing here is you're helping people to start to create comparisons that are going to serve their potential growth, innovation, leadership, whatever. See, the thing is measurement is the key. So you got all different kinds of measurement. You got like the thermometer measurement. Oh, how close am I? So if I'm focusing on that, I'm not focusing on the comparison about how I'm not good at this. I've made progress. Anytime you can see you making progress, that's measurement, that's gamification, that in itself is going to give you more satisfaction, more engagement. Okay, so I totally buy into the idea of gamification and more engagement, but I'm thinking about gamification for yourself and then gamification against others. So gamification for yourself, is that what you're trying to gamify? So is that what you're advocating for, gamifying your own performance against yourself? Or are you advocating for gamification within an organization where everyone is gamifying to a goal? Well, all right. See, here's the thing. Number one, if you're doing an organization, this is what we work with, right? We go into companies and we help change their organizational cultures and get everybody excited and deal with stuff, right? So first of all, measurement is the key. Now, most companies, why you've got a lot of dissatisfaction, and think about this, how often do they measure? Quarterly at best, and sometimes people still have these annual reviews. So you've got basically 11 months of like, uh, and then one month of, oh, I better get my shit together so that I can actually go and hit my annual review target. And then they do it based on KPIs, hitting the objectives, hitting the goals. Well, my gosh, this takes a long time. And especially now in the PFB era, post-Facebook era, right? We're just not that patient. I mean, we're instant messaging. We want instant feedback. And if we're not getting instant feedback from work, where are we getting it from? Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. That's where we're getting our instant feedback from. And so that's why these things are so addictive because it's like, wow, I'm good at it. Or people like this. Do you notice that your behavior and the things that you do tend to be perpetuated based on what other people respond to and what you tend to be good at? You know, when I started playing violin, I sucked. 
I still suck. But the thing is that it wasn't until I actually got that one song that then I was actually excited to do it again before it was like slogging through it, right? And then I got one song and then I was more excited. So when you start to be successful at something, that gives you the desire to perpetuate more of the same. Give me an example of like gamifying something. Okay, this is where it comes to be really cool, right? See, every objective that you have can be reverse engineered into behaviors. You want sales? There's specific behaviors that you do. You want better leadership? Specific behaviors. You want cross-departmental cooperation? Specific behaviors that have to happen in order to do that. You want more creativity, more innovation? You want people to break things and then rebuild them in better ways? There's very specific behaviors that can be reverse engineered. And each company's got their own way of doing things, right? But still, if they look at the people who are successful, they reverse engineer. It's like, these are the behaviors. Now, with Within those behaviors, you also have very specific emotional drives or motivators that are related to those behaviors. Well, if you look at just, I want to create these behaviors and these are the emotions or the motivators that create and support and perpetuate those behaviors. Now I can cross-reference that with game mechanics. And I can create very specific games that where instead of measuring KPIs, I mean, you still do that. But the main focus is measuring the behaviors because I can measure the behaviors today. I can measure it twice today, three times today. And there's an app called Squadly, S-Q-U-A-D-L-I. You can find it at squadly.com. And Squadly literally helps you to gamify this whole thing where you're gamifying the behaviors rather than the end results. And it takes you literally less than 20 seconds. It's almost like a WhatsApp message the amount of time that it takes. So because it's easy, it's not complicated, it makes it super easy to implement and use. Do you think you can gamify any type of tasks or goals? I guess because you're driving behavior, or you're trying to focus on behavior, not necessarily KPIs. So you could hone in on whatever behaviors are for any role type, I would assume. Basically, yeah. Let's say I've got a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old. And this is based on my experience, my kids, all right? So seven-year-old and a 10-year-old. I said, hey, guys, you want to write a book? So basically, in two months, both my kids, my seven-year-old and my 10-year-old, wrote books. Why? Because we gamified the behaviors and we made it fun. Alessandro, my youngest, he wrote a fiction book called The Adventures of Slappy the Crocodile, which was this crocodile that in order to make friends, he'd go and slap everybody. And eventually all of his friends decided to slap him at the same time. And he thought, oh, maybe there's a better way to make friends. And he tried a new strategy. So he tried smiling at people instead. And Dante, my older son, he wrote a book called The History of Life, 50 Fun Facts to Make You Sound Very Smart. And it was all about history of cells and the Paleozoic and the Mesozoic and all of these different periods and you know how life evolved. And then after that, they made an online program teaching kids how to write books. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So what was one of the behaviors? Well, one of the behaviors was sitting down at a table because they like to kind of lay on the couch and stuff like this. So they would sit down at a table for 20 minutes and just write. And it didn't matter what they wrote. Didn't matter if it was good. It wasn't, didn't matter if it was, you know, bad, anything. I mean, it's like that behavior is sitting down 20 minutes and they would get it. And even if they only wrote one word, didn't matter. 
It's just even little things like gamifying something simple like discipline. See, the moment you start putting too much stuff into it. So, for example, if I say you have to sit down and write like a page, you know, that becomes work. But the moment that they sit down, that in itself is discipline. Sit down for 20 minutes. Okay, that was one of the behaviors. The other behavior was also reading because in order to kind of improve their spelling, get some ideas, things like this, they had to do some reading. And another behavior was watching learning videos. I love that, man. That is really cool that you actually put game on your book to the test with your kids, which is awesome. And they followed through and they wrote books, which is a really difficult thing for kids to do. I love that. I appreciate you sharing that. I think gamification could be a big thing for a lot of organizations. I mean, you have your Facebooks, Googles, and things of the world doing these things to the consumer, but not many of them are necessarily doing the gamification internally. So I think that's an interesting opportunity. Yeah, it's not just that. It's just the ones that do try to do it. Sometimes, I mean, it just gets so complicated. And sometimes they do it wrong because they're alienating certain groups because they don't structure it right measurement is the key. The more you can measure on a regular and consistent basis and have visible ways of showing these measurements, the easier it is to gamify. Another thing that a lot of times people don't do with their gamification is they don't create a theme for it. I mean, yeah, you can have points and you can have levels and all this stuff, but when you add something like, oh, okay, well, right now you are in the hero level. But when you actually have this and this and this, now you get to be superhero. And then you get all these other little benefits and other things that go with that. And you get caps and capes and stuff just to make it fun. So I really appreciate you talking to me. I had a ton of fun talking to you, Arthur. It's been really great. Where can people find you? What are the resources that you think are most valuable for the audience? Well, first of all, if you're interested in organizational culture, there's a document that is the ultimate guide to leading organizational culture change. So you can find that at culturechange.academy, culturechange.academy. If you want to get game on and you want to get a super cool bonus, which is the Squadly app for free, which is like a $46 subscription and you get it for free, you can go to gameon.com management. It'll still buy it from Amazon. You buy it from there. If you want to find out more about the brain's ambiguity relief process and how you can create, like, for example, the colored brain system is an entire system that gamifies communication. You can see who's in your danger zone and all these kinds of things. You go to coloredbrain.com. And of course, anything about me, myself, and I go to karmazi.net and that's C-A-R-M-A-Z-Z-I.net. And if you're an organization, you want to work with us to build your culture, go to directivecommunication.net. Awesome. And to anyone in the audience, I'll put the links to everything that Arthur is talking about in the show notes. Arthur, thanks so much, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure, John. There's two key takeaways in this episode. The first is gamify behaviors for anything you want to do in this life, whether it be personally or at work. And the second is that measuring is the key to gamification. Okay, my friends, that's the end of the episode. To create a new behavior and to help you change your mindset, subscribe to this podcast. You'll receive a notification with each new upload to help you stay consistent 
and reach your goals. 